Would you bow your heads with me? Jesus, today as we prepare our hearts to hear from you, we prepare our minds to hear from you, we want to be prepared to respond to you. What good is it if we're just hearers of the word and not doers? If you speak today, we want to make a promise to you that uh, we will act. If you speak to us, we will obey. Will you give us today your spirit? Will you speak to us one or two things, whatever it is, that we would be obedient this Sunday after we have celebrated your resurrection from the dead? We want to make sure, folks, that we have in our, our hearts and our minds, Lord, we, we want to have a great sense that we can hear from you and that we'll obey you. So maybe we have some of our own ideas, which we all have had. Could we please, Lord, let, we want to push those aside today so that we get our advice and we get our wisdom from you and you only, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you to the worship team. I'm going to grab a hold of this. Got it. I don't care. This one's good. I might need two. <laughs> How many of you ever saw the television show, game show, Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader? Yeah. Okay, so I got a couple questions that actually came from that t- TV show, uh, game show. And here's the first one, and then uh, my sis, she'll put up the, uh, the right answer. Here's the first question. Are you smarter than a fifth grader? What is the fastest bird on Foot. What is the fastest bird on foot? Ostrich. Some of you knew that. Here's a little bit of facts. In the wild, an ostrich can run up to 40 miles an hour and can sustain 30 miles an hour for 10 miles. I could almost run that fast. Here's your second question. Thank you. A heptagon, H-E-P-T-A-G-O-N, is a shape with how many sides? A heptagon is a shape with how many sides? Now, folks, I don't think they ever taught me this all the way through college. Anybody know how many sides a heptagon has? Seven. Who said seven? Raise your hand. Woo! Seven. Thank you so very much. Who cares? (laughs) Whatever, you know. Are you smarter than... Somebody once told me, I I hope it's true, several different places, that the Bible was written on a sixth grade level. So if you're smarter than a fifth grader, hopefully you're at that place where you can understand the Scriptures. I understand that there are some difficult things to understand in the Scriptures, but grammatically and in other ways, it is written on a sixth grade level so that all people could read and understand it. At the top of your notes, if you're new to LifeHouse, there's a set of notes in your program... Also, if you have the Bible app on your smartphone, you could pull out your smartphone, go to the Bible app, go to the lower right-hand corner, click on main uh, or uh, live events, and you'll find all of the notes there each and every week. I have at the top of your notes, am I smart enough? When, when I don't know the answer to something, am I smart enough to ask somebody who does? You know, uh, I know that some of you here are uh, backyard mechanics like I am, right? You're a backyard mechanic like I am. Several years back, I went to uh, just change the brakes on my car because brakes are pretty easy. I can do it all by myself. I got into the front part of the car and I broke the main nut that tries to get the caliper off of that. So being the intelligent person that I am, I went to the other side and did the same thing. And then I called Jim and Betty at Madison Muffler and Auto Care, and I said, hey, these broke. 
And he said, yeah, those break all the time unless you're smart enough. He didn't say that. You're smart enough to know you have to put heat on it. Some of you know that. You have to put heat on it. You put heat on it, it comes out every time. The question is, is are we smart enough to ask for advice when we need advice, or is we just kind of like so prideful we want to do it all ourselves? I ask myself the question to you today, too. Am I smart enough to ask God on spiritual matters and many, many practical matters. We're going to be in the book of Proverbs today. It's the book of Proverbs and possibilities. Not exact, but uh, truths, but truths that have to do with how we live our life and how we interact with each other. I often tell people this. If you want to know how your relationship with God is doing, go to the Psalms. The Psalms is a vertical relationship, you and God. If you want to know how you're doing with other people, Go to the book of Proverbs. It teaches us a lot of wisdom in many areas, but how to get along with people. We're going to be three verses in the book of Proverbs today, written by Solomon, supposedly at that time, maybe even today, the smartest guy in the world. And it would be considered a book of wisdom. And as I looked and did a little bit of research, I liked what the New King James Version said about the book of Proverbs. It says, quote, it's how to live in God's world. When I first heard that, I thought, you know, I think for a long time in my life, I lived in my world. I think sometimes we forget this is God's world. He's given it to us for a short period of time to be stewards and to take care of it. But the, past, the, the book is how do you live in God's world because he created it and everything spiritual is about it. Let's ask ourselves three seeking questions. What is a seeking question? A seeking question is a question that I ask myself that I seek God. You, you know Jesus said, if you seek me, if you search for me, you'll find me. He made that promise. If you search for me, you'll find me. Uh, the problem is sometimes we become Christians, we start to grow, we know about the resurrection, this represents uh, Jesus being able to rise from the dead, and we stop asking, seeking questions. We almost get into the mode of, I, I kind of know it. We don't really say that, but we kind of get to that place where, where we know it. And so the first question that I have for you here, fill it in in the blank if, you, if you'd like, am I smart? First seeking question I want you to ask yourself is, am I smart? Now, I'm not asking if you're a smart aleck. Are you smart? I mean, everybody thinks of themselves as being smart. Nobody sits around. Anybody here sit around and say, you know, I'm just a dum-dum. I like dum-dum suckers. I'm just a dum-dum. Nobody sits around here thinking about that. We think that we're all pretty smart. We, we identify smart in a couple different ways. Think about it. IQ, intelligent quotient. And then there can be those who have common sense, right? Folks, do you know a husband and a wife, a mom and a dad who have two children? One has high IQ, good in school, and no common sense, or very little. And the other one has a lot of common sense and no IQ. You know, Nancy, stop sh shaking your head. Yes and no, your children might be here today. Yeah, and, and every once in a while you get a good combination of both of them. Yeah, go ahead, throw stuff, I don't care, yeah. You know, uh, seeking questions. Maybe you're good at solving problems. That's smarts in a certain way. Maybe you're very good with your hands. You can take things apart. If I said the name to you, let me see if I can get this name right. I want to see if you know who this is. Uh, James Holzhauer. James Holzhauer. Yes, sir. Jeopardy guy. The guy on Jeopardy who's going crazy. He's a professional gambler and a game show contestant. He made it to a million dollars faster than anybody on Jeopardy. In one 
one show, one episode, he won $131,000. He doesn't start at the top with the low. He starts at the bottom with the high. And whenever he gets to double jeopardy, he puts it all on there. Bammo. I read on the internet, everybody's getting bored watching it because it's just like he just knows everything. I wonder how he got on there. That's a kind of smarts, isn't it? That's a kind of smarts. That Am I smart? If you could be any kind of smart, what would you choose? Could you take a look at Proverbs 12? It's in your notes there, 12:15. Each of the verses I have, I just broke them down, two separate lines because there's two separate thoughts, maybe just to help us a little bit. Proverbs 12:15. The way of fools seems right to them. But the wise listen to advice. You know, uh, the word fool there, it's for, I have a little definition, not capable of judging. Now, I'm not talking about judging, judging people. Not capable of judging common sense things. Not capable of understanding certain things. Not, not capable of judging in a situation or having discernment to make a decision. Uh, somebody who is, is a, you know, I did a little research. In my count, the word fool is used 38 times in the book of Proverbs. 38 times, and no other book says it that many times. But here's the thing about a a fool. Their compass for making decisions is them. Isn't that exactly what it says? The way a fool seems right to them. Their compass is not a compass that goes according to the north magnetic pull. Their compass is themselves. Now, I don't know if any of you here have ever been out on Lake Erie like I have, probably 10, 12 years ago. Out on Lake Erie, four or five miles fishing when a fog, because the temperature change, rolls in and it is so thick you can't hardly see a hundred yards. At that time, I was a fool and did not have a compass on my boat. I didn't, we didn't even know what a smartphone was that day, Nate. But I'm there now, now I got to head in. You have no idea which way to go. You don't have a, I don't have a fish finder, anything that tells me home, no GPS, nothing like that. And so I start heading in the direction that I think is going to take me back to Neff Road, because that's where I went in at. I went slow, because you couldn't see other boats, hardly. I ended up about five miles west of where I wanted to go, way into downtown Cleveland, because I didn't have a compass. It was, my compass was me. This is what the scripture teaches in regards to people who are full. They, they, they make decisions themselves. They are their own center. Per, per, you know, they, these are the type of things that you have heard, and I, I, you know, I've heard. You, you've heard it many different times. It'd be somebody that say, well, you know, I don't need to go to church to be a Christian. I don't need to do this to be a Christian. I can do this and be a Christian. They say all of these things based on their own compass. They do what seems right to them. A fool makes a final decision based on what they think is right. That's what the scripture says. But the other half of it says, but the wise listen to advice. Look at the definition. This is from the original language. It means capable of judging. Capable of judging and understanding. Why? Because they listen to advice and they seek advice. You know, it's hard to take criticism. And I know a lot of it has to do with how it's delivered. It's hard to take criticism. It's a little easier to take advice, but both are necessary. I try to teach people that are on staff. I try to teach my children. The best way to get advice is to ask for it. You're prepared. You've asked for it. You've said, you know, can you get... Every Wednesday, the, the uh, design team who puts the messages together critiques 
the message, the music, everything. Because we want to be critiquing and asking for it so that we make sure we don't fall into some type of ruts. And sometimes it still happens. Wise people seek counsel. I was feeling a call into ministry several years after I'd given my life to Christ. And uh, I had something that I hope that you have today. It's the fear of making a mistake. I'm 20-some years old, and I'm asking myself, how am I going to know if God is really calling me? Because I don't want to go into ministry for the wrong reason. I don't want to take my wife. I don't want to take my children if it's not what the Lord wants. You know, that's called the fear of the Lord. It's, it's a little bit of respect for the Lord. And so I am reading and I am seeking and I'm asking, seeking questions. One of the times I've done something right. In Proverbs 15, 22, I just have the reference there for you. I, I'm, this is how God works, everybody. I hope this happens to you. As I seek the Lord and what He wants to do, I come across Proverbs 15, 22. Hey, Evan, plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. And as the Lord spoke to me, the very next thing I determined that I would do, as He had spoken to me, I said, I'm going to find three people who love Jesus and love me enough to tell me the truth, even if it hurts. I chose three people. And as I talked to each and every one of those individual people that I trusted, I had three or four major decisions to make. One of them was, I was getting ready to leave, getting ready, had all my plans, getting ready to quit my job, and headed, I had to go back to school, so I was going back to school, and my wife got herself pregnant. <laughs> I came out to the car. It was a big, big, big surprise. She had tried to surprise me. She did. She had a balloon on there, or something about you, you're going to have a kid or something like that. I'm like, thanks for ruining my plans. <laughs> Do you know what my plans were as a fool? My plans were, okay, we'll have a baby. We'll go, we'll go to, we're going to Kansas, everybody. We're going to Kansas to go to Bible Barkley School, and, and we'll just have the baby there. And I went to the, my three advisors who all told me what I did not want to hear. In some way, shape, or form, each of them, without knowing what the other person said, is, is that probably wouldn't be a good thing. If something happens, you don't know anything about the hospital system there, you have family members who you want to be a good testimony to, and on and on and on. And so I said, doggone it, okay, I'll wait a year. Wonderful, wonderful things happened that year that I don't, really don't have time to tell you. But I will tell you this. When we finally had Elizabeth, thank goodness she came early, and we went off, we found in the town that we were in, the hospitals did not have a very good record delivering children. Matter of fact, one of the adult students that was there like I was with a family had very much complications. Thank you, Lord, for wise people. Are, are we smart enough to have a little bit of the fear of the Lord so that we can ask the Lord, you know, and ask people around us? Make sure you have somebody who's not a yes man. You've got to have people that, you, that love you. See, we hear different things from other people. Now, there's Christians, and I, I, I have a challenge out to all the Christians that are here today. A lot of times you hear several different things. Let me just pick on one. There'll be Christians who say, you know, I don't really need to serve my church to go to heaven. I don't really need to serve my church to go to heaven. I've been saved, and I'm eternally secure, whatever it might be. And I just want to give you a reference to Matthew 25. It's right there in your notes, right there in your notes, Matthew 25, 14, and 30. I'm not going to read it, and I'm not going to tell you what it says. I want to know, are you a Christian who will read the Scriptures 
and see what it says, the truth of what Jesus taught, over what seems to be right. Do you know who the hardest people to change their mind on something that seems to be right to them? Preachers. Preachers and pastors. We're teaching it. We know what it says. Forget what everybody else says. Blah, 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 blah. You know, we have to keep our hearts and our minds open to what is truly taught in the Scriptures. And I tell everybody here today, young and old, you open your Bible and you take a look and see what it is that Jesus teaches and you ask Him, you seek Him. He made a promise to you. He'll make it come alive to you. You'll get it. You'll understand it. Matthew 25, 14 through 30. Can I take my gifts that I have and just bury them and not use them and go to heaven? Jesus has the answer. Am I smart enough to ask myself and God in seeking questions? And am I smart enough to listen to the smartest advisor ever around the eternal God? Number two, am I right? We ask ourselves, am I, am I uh Smart, that's good. Am I right? You know, people don't really sit around once again and say, you know, I'm pretty much wrong on everything that I ever think, you know. But a lot of times when you ask the question, am I right, it depends on what you're talking about. You talk about a variety of different subjects, and it depends what, you're, what, what topic you're talking about. Folks, many of you know I had like five sisters and a mom. So I grew up with six women around me. Then I had a wife, she's, she's the seventh, and then I had two girls, and that's eight and nine. I've been pretty close to about nine women most of my life. There's one thing I don't understand. There's something I, I just am really not too right about, and that's makeup. <laughs> I saw it on, and I saw it off. And I'm like, what happened to my sister? <laughs> not my sister Kay. She was always beautiful. Thanks, sis. You know, but, but you, you, you see, and, and for the life of me, I'll say to them sometimes, I say, why does that look so bad on them? And they'll say, well, that's because they did this. And I say, well, why does that look so good? That's because they use it. And I says, and can I just please let every woman here know, I don't know why you're worried about plucking your eyebrows. <laughs> There's no man I've ever met that said, you know what, I was thinking about going out with that girl, but eh, her eyebrows are messed up. <laughs> I've never been right on makeup. I don't get it. But I guess I can see when it looks good. Proverbs 14, 12, everybody. There is a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. Not exact wording from Proverbs 12, 15, but pretty close. The words appears to be right is that which is right in my eyes. I looked this up, and the original language has the ability to tell you exactly what. This is, once again, right in my eyes. You know... <laughs> I have so many stories of embarrassing stories about myself, it's not even funny. My, my sink was leaking, and so I fixed all of the plumbing underneath it. It seemed right to my eyes. It looked perfect. It looked leak-free until I ran the water. And then what seemed to be leak-free, I adjusted and made it worse. And then I did what I should have done. I, I followed every direction that Jeff gave me, and then I said, Hey, Jeff, you want to come over for lunch? And Jeff said, yeah, he did it. and before you know it, it's not leaking. So I told my wife, hey, the sink is fixed. I, I got it fixed. I didn't tell her I needed some help. But Sometimes things appear to be right. That is a danger zone in the spiritual realm. You don't want to apply that to your eternity, what seems right to you and what seems right to me. It, leaking wouldn't be just the problem. Oh boy. What appears to be right is not something we want to trust our eternity to. <laughs> it seems to me that every place I go, even this last Thursday... 
Everybody's talking about how great the Browns are going to be. Yeah, go ahead and laugh. That's, that's laughable. Everybody said, I had a pastor come up to me last Thursday and say, man, the Browns are loaded. I said, have you watched them the last 20 years? They can mess anything up. What's the matter with you? Here's a text I got from somebody. Quote, we are literally, speaking of the Browns, going to retire every great quarterback we have watched in our lifetime. The Browns are going to be the ones who make Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, uh, keep me from laughing, Ben Roethlisberger, he stinks anyway, uh, Drew Brees, <laughs> Phillips Rivers, and the rest retire. And I'm thinking, are you kidding me? Well, you might as well just pencil them into the Super Bowl. If you believe that, put your next... No, I better not say that. I better not say that. Folks, only time will tell if that is right. It seems right. But only time will tell. And we don't want to apply what seems right and only time will tell to our spiritual life. Do you, do you, want, to, do you want to bank that on what seems or appears to be right? Are we too lazy to pick up God's Word, which is filled with His wisdom, so that we can become wise ourselves? This passage of Scripture says you can be wise. There's a way to become wise. You don't have to be a fool. Who here is willing to bet their eternal life on what appears to be right? What spiritual principle appears right to you? You know, many people I've talked to, I used to do some street evangelist, evangelist explosion. You know what appears right to most people? Good works. To most people, good works seems to be the thing that, that appears to be right. And I know because that's what I thought in my life personal. It may be something different for you. But when somebody is good, then you would say that they're morally good. Now just so you know, not all morally good people go to heaven. That's a hard thing to grasp a hold of, I know. You can't just be morally good. You have to be spiritually good. Don't ever mistake morality with spirituality. Follow Nicodemus in the Gospel of John. In, the, in Nicodemus, the Gospel of John, he's telling, he comes to Jesus and Jesus says, you must be born again spiritually. You have to be born. You can't just be morally good. And for me, following Nicodemus, he's a pretty good, morally good guy for a Pharisee. I believe it's chapter 7. He's there. And the Pharisees and Sadducees are getting ready to accuse Jesus. And he reminds them, hey, we have to try somebody first, which they didn't like. And then he's there after Jesus comes off the cross, helping with the embalming with uh, Joseph of Arimathea. He had to be a pretty, he seemed to be a morally good guy. The way that seems to be right to many people is like, well, I'm not as bad as the other guy. That's not biblical, everybody. Morally good people have to have a prerequisite. You must be born of the Spirit. It has to be something that the Holy Spirit, that Jesus Christ does inside of each and every one of us. Wise people never live according to what appears to be right. I should say spiritually wise people. They seek and they discover what is true according to God's Word. What seems right to you that may land you in eternity without Christ? Number three, am I safe? Seeking questions, spiritual seeking questions. Am I smart biblically? Because you could be a fool and be turned into a wise person. It can happen to anybody. Am I right? 
Well, the way that we know what is right, not what seems to be right, is in the Scriptures. And I want to focus a little bit on the second half of uh, Proverbs 16.25, which is an exact replica, copy of Proverbs 14. You don't find that very often in Scripture, but repeating truths are there so you and I get it. Am I safe? I don't know if you've ever found yourself trying to find a place. I remember trying to find this place in this town in this city I'd never been. And I wanted to get there, and every time I went somewhere, well, they were one-way streets. Go that way one way, and you go down, you go that way one way. And I made a couple turns. I ended up somewhere that I did not feel safe at all. You ever been to a place where you ask yourself, man, am I safe here? Proverbs 16, 25, the same verse, but we'll focus on the second half. There is a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. Not, this is a spiritual book. This is not physical death. This is spiritual death, eternal death, separation from Christ. When uh, we were in Mexico several uh, months back, they had a cafe there. Great coffee, all kinds of little pastries, things like that. But when you walked up to this cafe, it had a door on it with glass at the top and totally white the rest of the way down. There was nothing on the front of that door that would let you know, do I push this side or do I push that side? How do I get in? And I sat there. It almost became entertaining. Every morning, i got to get up and go to the cafe, see who tries to go in the wrong side and bump their head. There was nothing indicated on there. But can I say to you, let me give you a group of people who pushed the wrong side. There were people that, that were there. They were, they were British. There were some people there from India, the Caribbean, Australia. All these different people. They pushed the left side and the door didn't open. Anybody know why? Because they drive on the left side of the road. And their natural instinct, what seemed to be right to them, was to push on the left side. And then I'd watch a Canadian come up or a Hispanic. Or, and I'd watch somebody else walk up there and they'd boom, push the right side. Got in every time. Because inerrant in all of us, there is a way that seems to be right with a lot of things, especially in the spiritual realm. There's a way that seems to be right, and the scripture says, man, don't bank on that. Am I safe? There's something God has planted in the Bible and in the hearts of people that's called the fear of the Lord. It's not this frightening fear, it's this respect. It's like having respect for your dad because you know he has what's best interest. And so therefore you don't go off on your own. Today if you have that, you're a little bit afraid of that whole thought of, man, there's a way that appears to be right. And if you're a Christian here today and you think, I can be a Christian and not do five things that we'll talk about here later, something has happened, something's got clicked off. Is there no fear that you may have missed it even though you started right? If God loves everybody the same, and I, I, I understand the argument, and I understand that God loves people, but I don't read in the Scriptures that God loves everybody the same. Why would Psalm 103, verse 11 say this? You have it in your notes. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, he's trying to draw a huge, huge distance. As, as, far as, the, uh, as high as the heavens are from the earth, so great is God's love for those who fear him. For those who have a reverence for him. Because he's been so good to us that he went through what he went through on the cross so that you know this isn't somebody that you need to be terrified of. But he has a great high love for those who will have this fear. And I'm concerned that sometimes Christians have let that ebb away. Somehow or another we've quenched the spirit. 
And we just kind of go on with our Christian life. And God, we hardly hear His voice. I was at a store the other day, and they have a back exit, entrance and exit, you know. And when I was there, they were installing a buzzer for the door. You could get in no problem, but somebody behind the counter had to buzz you to get you out. And I said, why are you guys doing that? They said, well, because people are stealing. People are stealing. They're they're going in in the store, they're shopping, and sometimes you go back there, it's not manned, so they just walk right out with their stuff. And from now on, there's a buzzer to let you out. And the girl started having this conversation with me, and she said, why do people steal? I just don't get it. And there was another guy there, and we had a little bit of conversation, you know, and, and I said, you know, some people really steal for the fun of it, for the challenge of it. Because she was saying, there's been rich people that they caught. And she says, people steal for the fun of it? I said, yeah, that's why I do it. <laughs> and I walked out the door. Why do Christians not steal? Why do Christians not steal? Because they know that their Heavenly Father loves them, and we have this fear, this respect. We want to be known as your child. Why does somebody who's not a Christian steal? And what would keep them from stealing? The fear of the law, the fear of punishment. We know that this is what honors our God who saved us. Is there a fear of the Lord that checks your hearts and your actions? Am I safe? Am I being deceived? Because, folks, according to that passage of Scripture, the end is the end. The end is the end. So how do you learn? I have a couple different ways everybody learns, right? How, how do you learn? Are you self-taught? I, I, I heard a story the other day about a guy who's pretty much self-taught in everything that he does, and these kind of people are self-taught. They can figure things out all on their own, kind of almost with no help. And that's fine, and that's great, but don't apply that to your spiritual life. The Bible calls somebody who's self-taught and can figure it out in the spiritual realm a fool. People who think they can figure out this God thing themselves. You don't want to be self-taught. You want to be God-taught. What kind of learner are you? How, how do you learn? Are you from the school of hard knocks? You know, you, you, make a, you make a mistake, and you learn from your mistakes, and that's wonderful, that's a great thing, but, and that's great, but you really don't want to learn from the school of hard knocks on your deathbed or when you've died. You don't want to say, you know, I, I really wish I, I could have learned differently, because if you learn from the school of hard knocks and you die, which is when the decision for heaven and hell is made for you, then for the rest of your life, it will be hard knocks. Learn before. Don't apply that to your spiritual life. There's one other kind of person who learns. This can be young or old, a man or a woman, short or tall. Thank the Lord for that. That's the wise that are mentioned in the three passages of Scripture that we look at. The wise study God's Word. No, no, no. They don't read it. They study it. They're in Bible study. We're going to have an announcement here today. Every Thursday we have Bible study. Through the end of May, come at 6 o'clock for 5 bucks. You're going to have a great, a great chicken dinner. Come out to Bible study. What is it? Wednesday. Wednesday. You know what? I Thank you. Well, that's Wednesday or Thursday. So Wednesday, come on out, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. This is a reciprocal. Come on out. You get fed for 5 bucks, and you get a chance to hear Pastor Dale teach 1 Corinthians 14. The wise 
They study God's Word. They go to Bible study. They're in Bible study. They ask Jesus seeking questions like you looked at today. And they have this little bit of fear. Lord, am I doing what is right? And they are filled with the Spirit. They are afraid of quenching the Spirit because they know that's our connection to the Lord. That's why the asterisk in your notes is, do I have Bible smarts? Bible smarts. Anybody can have it. Anybody that's a fool can become wise. Go to the wise guy who created the earth. His is earth. This is his word. I'm not asking you if you, you read it. Once again, do you live it? Because I know how Christians get to me. I can get to Oh, I read my chapter. I feel good for the day. I'm done. No, Lord, what is it you want to say to me? What do you want to change in me? I read somebody said that uh, the biggest lies we tell are the lies we tell ourselves. And I get concerned, having done this 27 years, that Christians have lied to themselves. They live a little bit more like whatever seems right to them now that they're a Christian than what the Scriptures have to say, and I, I get concerned about that. So can I give you five biblical principles that this church teaches ongoingly? If you give your life to Christ in this church, you'll get a Bible, and inside this Bible are five principles Five biblical principles. I'm sure that, but these principles will help you to grow and grow and grow. And Dave, if you come, because I want to have a word of prayer at the end today. Here's the first one. You already have it there. You have to read your Bible. And you might well just scratch that and say you have to study your Bible. And you have to live your Bible. Please, you're better off to read three verses and do what it says than say, I finished my chapter. Read your Bible. Study your Bible. Number two is, is pray the Bible. And one of the reasons I say that is because I know that we all have prayer requests, and that's wonderful. But, you know, I really didn't know how to pray until I started reading the Bible on many topics and many things. I had like a worldview instead of a biblical view. I read, you read the Bible, it teaches you how to pray. It teaches you how to pray for people. And there's a lot of prayers in there that you could pray for people. And if you don't have anybody to pray for, pray for me. Number three Serve as Jesus served. Serve as Jesus served. Jesus said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve. If you call yourself a Christian, you're a follower of Jesus. Don't nix that out of the equation. You, it's a biblical principle to serve. Number four is give as the Bible teaches. You know, a lot of people may, maybe not, they give what seems right. Once again, that's what I think. That's on me. The scriptures are pretty plain of what the Bible tells us. And I, maybe you don't understand. You know, everything we have is the Lord's. From the old and all the way through. The first tenth is the Lord's. It's called a tithe. It's His, not mine. It really and truly says, you're my Lord. He, he teaches that. And Christians I know that practice that, they continually are blessed in many ways. And it's not that they are ever without problems. I'm not talk, teaching prosperity theology. Who determines what I give? And then number five is fellowship. You know, Jesus commanded that we're with each other. Commanded that we'll be around each other. You know, we try to create times of fellowship. We're going to have another night of prayer. Come on out. Good Friday, a time of prayer. Come out to that. After service, we provided the donuts, the coffee, and every, the, everything else you need. Even if you don't like coffee, you know, if you're not a Christian, you don't like coffee, you just hold one in your hand and look like it or something, you know? <laughs> Stick around. Here's the thing about fellowship. Please, you've got to get... Somebody needs you. 
Somebody needs you somehow or another after service today. You ought to come prepared, and you might just possibly need somebody else. I'll tell you one other thing, and I'm going to have prayer. I want to pray for Christians today who said, you know what? I got a little off the beaten path. I'm going to follow the word. I'm going to do what it says. I kind of started to do things like it seemed right to me. Then I want to talk to one other group, pray for you're not all in with Jesus. You're seeking a little bit, and today you had some things you were living like I did for 25 years. They seem right to me, but in the end, I was... Ha- do you know what this says about good works? Good works, if it's only got that, they're like filthy rags. This was the work that was done, and you didn't have to do it. Jesus did it for you. One of the things I learned in Mexico, sitting in 88-degree weather, watching that cafe... Day after day, if the person that went up to it first figured out which door to go in, the people that were right behind them, they chose the right side of the door every time. That's what I I discovered. Somebody went through, they tested, boom, they got through, they got into the cafe, and everybody behind them said, well, they saw which way this door swung open. And you and I have somebody that went through the door before us. His name is Jesus. He went through the door before you. Follow him and you will get in. Would you bow your heads with me today? Father God, people that I really like to pray for first, Lord, is people that had gotten to the place where maybe they just got off the beaten path a little bit. They began to live their lives and what they thought was right according to them. And you spoke to them today. Now for those folks that are here today, with your heads bowed, would there be anybody here you lift your hand up so that you would say, that's what the Lord said to me and I want to live right. Anybody here today at all? Thank you. Father God, may you put in our hearts and those that have raised their hand today a little bit of that fear of the Lord that drives us into your word so that you lead, guide, and direct and counsel us in the right way for our lives. Lord, we need to be right with you so that we're not deceived. The easiest people to deceive are people who think that they're smart, who think that they're right, who think that they're safe on a spiritual level. May your Holy Spirit open new avenues from the Scriptures to them. Lord, secondly, we'd like to pray for anybody here today that says, I need to give my life to Christ today. I lived my life what seemed to be right to me, but now you realize That leads to death. Would you raise your hand today if you want to give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ? Yes. Yes. Thank you. Father God, I lived this. I lived this passage of Scripture. What seemed right to me? Lord, I I pray for those who today have made that commitment to what is right is what you say take away and wash away and forgive us for the way that seemed right to us. It's almost as if we had made God in our own image. Will you today, Lord Jesus, bring these people to a saving and a sanctifying work. Open the scriptures to them like never before. Take the veil off because they have turned to you. And the scripture says, if anybody turns to you, that you will take the veil off their eyes and help them see spiritually. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you.